Hey everybody, I'm Emily. I'm Andy. And welcome back to Unnatural. Oh, that's right. And Emily, you know what day today is? No. Groundhog Day! Yay. But we're not doing the same episode again. Although we are kind of doing a continuation of the same episode. So it's kind of like the same thing. Kind of, but it's a it's the second part of our story on Dr. Shirley Jane Turner, three names. Red flag. Now, if you haven't already, please, please, with sugar on top, go back and listen to part one, or else you're going to be missing out on one hell of a story, a lot of information here. But for those whose memory is slightly off kilter, like, like mine. mine. Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, how about a recap here? I love a recap. Well, Andrew Bagby and Shirley Turner, they met while they were attending medical school in Canada in the late 1990s. They had a tumultuous relationship, to say the least. Toxic would probably be another good word for it. And even though they lived about a thousand miles apart once they graduated, it didn't stop Shirley from murdering Andrew in a Pennsylvania parking lot, then fleeing to her homeland of Canada. Now, after hearing of their son's murder, his parents, David and Kathleen Bagby, they both moved to Canada to not only fight for their son's rights, but also fight for the custody of their grandson, Zachary. This is the conclusion to the tale of Dr. Shirley Jane Turner. Upon Shirley's brief stay in Canadian jail, all she was required to do to be released was post a $75,000 bail bond, 90% of which was covered by her psychiatrist, Dr. John Doucette. Now, we'll circle back around to him in just a little bit. But she also had to turn in her passport and promise not to contact the Bagbees and that's about it. And then she was a free woman. I love that she just had to promise that she wouldn't contact them. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's Canada mm-hmm. for you, it sounds mm-hmm. like. Um, so she was kind of free to be the crazy person that we know her to be at this point. Because it wasn't just Andrew Bagby who had issues with Shirley Turner. He was just the latest and the most tragic. I didn't talk about this in part one, but she had a whole lot of history with other guys. If you rewind a few years back, Emily, back to March of 1996, that was when Shirley began dating a guy named Miles, and he was 13 years younger than her. After he broke up with her and moved away, she began 
inundating him with constant messages on his answering machine. Some of them were loving, some of them were threatening, and all of them were pretty fucking weird. (laughs) And this erratic behavior went on for about a year or so until she confronted Miles one night. She found him and she grabbed her shoe. It was like one of those high-heeled shoes. Mm -hmm. And she smacked him in the face with the tip of the high-heeled shoe. Oh, good. (laughs) Not for him. (laughs) No, he probably deserved it. He's a man. And Well, maybe in this case, he didn't because she was just so cray-cray. But I'm just on a man-hating train today. I know you are. I know you are. But when it comes to Shirley Turner, I think we can make an exception here. We can hate on both of them. (laughs) Well, this caused Miles to go as far as just moving out of the entire fucking country to get away from her. But that didn't stop Shirley. She actually followed him to Pennsylvania. Sound familiar? Yep. Yeah. And she continued to stalk him and leave him threatening messages until finally Miles. Well, yeah, he was always looking around his shoulder, wondering if she was going to pop up out of nowhere. Finally, he decided to call the police. So it was at that time that Miles stated that he was actually kind of afraid of what she might do to him next. Yeah. And I would be, too. Fuck that. Who wouldn't, right? So what she did was show up to Miles' apartment in 1999 in a black dress with a bouquet of roses and two suicide notes, all while overdosing on over-the-counter medication. This is how they found her. Sounds pretty fucking romantic, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is how he found her. So... By the way, the first suicide note was addressed to Miles, and I'm not exactly sure what that one said, but in the second note, which was addressed to her psychiatrist, that Dr. John Doucette, Shirley stated, I'm not evil, I'm just sick. Oh. Okay. I think it's a little bit of both, Shirley. I Yeah. Since she overdosed on this medication... She gets rushed to the hospital, gets her stomach pumped. Miles gets a phone call the next day from an anonymous female caller. Quote, unquote, anonymous. (laughs) And that anonymous female caller said, Dr. Turner has died. And he never really hears from Shirley again after that. And I'm guessing he was pretty fucking okay with that. So that story just kind of gives you a glimpse as to what kind of person Shirley Turner was. And she had, yeah, she was, she was just off her rocker and she had a few other instances of that as well. And it wasn't long after this before she actually met Andrew Bagby. In fact, uh, the two may have even overlapped a little bit from what I've researched. And if you thought Andrew's parents moving up to Canada and the authorities and the media watching her every move would kind of cause Shirley to be careful, rational, and not be batshit crazy, well, you would be wrong. 
So now we're into 2002, Emily, and Shirley's extradition case is kind of stuck in the Canadian bureaucratic grinder. I mean, like, for one reason or another, they just keep kicking the can down the road here. So in the meantime, Andrew's parents and Zachary's grandparents, David and Kathleen Bagby, they have moved to the same town as Shirley Turner, which has got to be awkward as fuck. But they're actually fitting in quite well. They're getting to know their neighbors, and it seems everybody wanted to be friends with David and Kathleen. Now, they made friends with the doctors, lawyers in town, and everyone at their brand new church as well. It was kind of pretty clear that although Canadian justice hadn't really prevailed when it came to Shirley Turner, the Canadian sentiment was on the side of the Bagbees. So everybody kind of knew that she probably killed her boyfriend and that Zachary her son, their grandson, should go to David and Kathleen. Now, on July 18th, 2002, Shirley gave birth to Zachary. His full name was Zachary Andrew Turner, so she actually did give him Andrew's name as his middle name. And David and Kathleen immediately went to the local hospital where she was to see the newborn baby, Emily, but... Mm -hmm. She refused them. She would not let them see the baby. At the same time, Andrew Bagby's best childhood friend, if you remember in our previous episode, his name was Kurt. I remember. Yeah. He had decided to make a movie about Andrew's life. He was the filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I remember And that. he said, look, I want to do something as a tribute to Andrew. He meant so much to me. And I also want to make something that's lasting. So... I can show it to his son when his son comes of age. He was hoping that when his son got older, he would watch it, learn about how what a great guy his dad was. So that's what he started doing. He started traveling across the United States, interviewing everybody who had ever been in contact with Andrew about what a great guy he was. And that's kind of how this documentary came into being. And David and Kathleen were in it, too. And right around the same time, they were fighting for the right to see their grandson in Canada. Mm -hmm. And what was Shirley Turner doing at the same time? Being a fucking bitch. Well, you know, she was just kind of threatening the life of another younger man Mm -hmm. who realized she was crazy. Mm -hmm. That tracks. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and this this guy was about 15 years younger. Um, How much younger was Andrew than her? He was about 12 years younger. So, yeah, she, she likes him young. She, um, she does. Now, in July of 2003, Shirley met a guy at a bar in the town she was living in called St. John's. Mm-hmm. The two quickly became an item and became intimate on at least a few occasions. All seemed to be going well, that is, until the guy's friend did some research because he probably was thinking, who is this crazy woman who's hanging out with my friend, right? So he looks into her and figures out that she's wanted for murder in the United States. So he tells his buddy about this. And not surprisingly, the buddy breaks it off 
immediately with Shirley. Mm -hmm. As he should. Right. And also, this probably wouldn't surprise you as well, she begins to stalk him. Oh, shocking. Stop me if you've heard that one before. Over the next month or so, Shirley makes about 200 threatening phone calls to this guy. Can you imagine your phone blowing up over 200 times a month with a crazy person? Well, yeah, actually, I probably can imagine. (laughs) But anyway, so she claimed that he had gotten her pregnant. Even though there was absolutely... Isn't she like 40? She's like 42, maybe, at this time. Something like that. There was absolutely no evidence of a pregnancy. She just... Ma'am, you have no business getting pregnant again. (laughs) Yeah. The last one didn't turn out so well. Um, So, he called the authorities on her, which probably would have gotten her to lose custody of Zachary, right? Yeah, well, didn't she lose custody of, like, three other kids? Yeah, and this might have as well, and maybe Zachary would have gone to his grandparents, David and Kathleen. Right. But no, Mm -hmm. because he refused to officially give his name, so the entire thing was revoked, and it was stricken off the record because of that, which completely sucks because... Everything that's about to transpire could have been avoided. Now, this guy, he was clearly trying to move on. He was completely uninterested in Shirley at this time. You know her MO by now. She does not take rejection well, to say the least. No, 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 no. (laughs) She doesn't. (laughs) Understatement of the fucking year. And... On August 18th, 2003, this is where everything kind of comes to a head here. Shirley took Zachary with her to run some errands. Now, the first errand was to her local pharmacy. Oh, drugs. Um, yeah. She picked up a prescription for lorazepam. Sounds like she needs, uh, she needs uh, uh, lithium. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of sedative, maybe. Chloroform. Right. There you go. There you go. So she gets the lorazepam. And if folks don't know, lorazepam is an anti-anxiety, anti-agitation medicine. Then she drives herself and her young infant, Zachary, with her to run uh, some other errands. They finally reach the neighborhood of that guy that we were just discussing, the man that she met at the bar. Yeah. So she reaches his area, his neighborhood, right by his house. She grabs her poor little baby, Emily. She mixes the lorazepam (gasps) with his baby formula. No. She feeds it to him. No. And. No. Knocks him unconscious. No. And you know what she does next? It's just, I mean, it's unconscionable. So then she walks out to the dock, and this dock kind of juts out into the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, no. With her baby? She's got her baby in her arms. She takes a fatal amount of lorazepam herself. She ties Zachary to her chest with her sweatshirt. 
and she plunges into the water. No. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? It's it's just such a horrible, horrific ending for poor little Zachary. Who Yeah. Surely deserves it. Zachary? Yeah, no. why she would take him with her on this suicide quest, I have no idea. Did she write a note? Like, did she say anything? No, but... Bitch. She tried to make it look like maybe somebody else had done it. So the bodies... No. Her body and Zachary's body were soon found after by beachgoers. Uh And it was determined that Shirley had drowned and Zachary had passed out before he drowned as well so at least he at least he didn't suffer i mean that's the only saving grace of all of this but it was reasoned by local authorities that shirley had deliberately tried to make it look like her and her son had been murdered by her ex-boyfriend that's why she parked by his house she put some photos in his in her car and tried to make it look like he had put them there. I don't know what her reasoning was. She was crazy, so it's hard to understand it. But she was clearly trying to set him up. So that was her last act. Her last act was to kill herself and her only son to try and set up just this random guy to make it look like he murdered her. Yeah. I just, I mean... There, there's, there's sick, and then there's this. You know, it's, it's just another level. But all was not in vain. David and Kathleen Bagby continued to fight for their grandson's rights in the mm-hmm. Canadian courts. Remember, we're in Canada. Yeah, they weren't the only ones, though. Emily, mm-hmm. remember Andrew's friend Kurt, who was making that documentary. Mm-hmm. Well. Sadly, of course, Zachary never got to see that, but a whole lot of important people did, including every single member of the Canadian Parliament. No way. Because Kurt sent them all a copy, and it made a big fucking difference, too, Emily, Mm -hmm. because in March of 2010, Zachary's bill was introduced in Parliament by a lawmaker who had just screened the film. Mm -hmm. And its goal was to protect children and force the judicial decision makers in Canada to kind of keep the child's welfare in mind during bail hearings and custody battles. And a short time later, the bill was signed into law, which it seems like a little thing. It seems like a no-brainer, but... What an important thing that was. Yeah. And to me, it's just crazy that the guy began shooting this as a documentary, as a tribute for his best friend, Andrew, hoping to one day show it to his son. Then while he's filming it, another unspeakable tragedy occurs, you know? Yeah. It's it's really hard to wrap your head around because, again, this Andrew Bagby was such a great guy. And 
did not deserve to die the way he did. And obviously his son, Zachary, did not deserve to die. No. And it's all because of this woman who had just went off the deep end. No pun intended, but she, I, she, she, she for many, many years had been kind of manipulating people. She was pathological. Being a pathological liar. And unfortunately, it, it came to these tragic circumstances at the end here. Um, yeah. I mean, she went through like a rigmarole of just trying to get men, like obsessions she with did. men. Yeah, for whatever reason. And that's what it led to. Her and her son dying. And Andrew Bagby immortalized in this film, which I encourage everybody to watch. It's called Dear Zachary. You can find it on Aww. YouTube. You can find it on Amazon Prime. And just one of the most more powerful documentaries I've seen in quite some time. I believe that Andrew's parents, David and Kathleen, are still um, alive. And they just recently, a couple of years ago, celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. Oh, good for um, them. Can't be easy, though, uh, because he was no. their only son. And yeah. a few years later, though, they did um, set up a medical scholarship in his honor. And that medical scholarship is in Latrobe, Pennsylvania. And to date, over five dozen individuals have benefited from it. And... Wow, that's amazing. That's the tragic tale of Andrew Bagby, his son, Zachary Turner, and the story of Dr. Shirley Jane Turner. I am just still really upset that she went and killed herself and her baby. Yeah. For what? And to try and frame someone for what? Not loving her? If you watch the documentary and look into this case, what's most upsetting is obviously she was crazy and um, yeah. just, you know, a psychopath. But it was the legal system. Um, it was the Canadian legal system that kind of failed Zachary. Mm -hmm. It failed to protect Zachary. Yeah. And that's what's most disturbing about all of this, because this poor little boy who didn't have anything to do with Andrew and Shirley also perishes in this. And it all could have been avoided. Nothing to do with them except DNA. Right. DNA. Well, you know what I mean, though. And what, what sucks mm -hmm. is... Yeah, if custody would have just been given to the grandparents, he would have been fine. He'd still be with us today. Yeah. You know? So it's just a tragic it. tale. Obviously, some good did come of it because some laws were changed. But yeah, certainly wish that they were both. But it shouldn't be at the expense of little babies' lives. No, no, and um, definitely a story. No one in that area will forget anytime soon. But if you want to complain on the Internet about Shirley Turner and let out your grievances, well, a good place to do that is on our socials, Emily. 
Yeah, which apparently our Facebook page is a good place to argue in comment sections. That is Unnatural, a true crime podcast. We also have Twitter, Unnatural the Pod, Instagram, where you can see pictures from this case, previous cases, and future cases, depending on when you're listening, Unnatural the Podcast. And um, you can also send us a Gmail with case suggestions, love letters, hate mail, whatever. That is unnaturalthepodcast at gmail.com. And we have a Patreon page where you can get early access to ad-free episodes, bonus content, and more. That is patreon.com slash unnaturalthepod. And as Mm -hmm. always, be sure to rate, subscribe, follow, and share us with your friends. Emily, what are we doing next week? Next week, we are heading to sunny, beautiful, picturesque, warm Hawaii. Oh. Why Why do you have to do that to me right now? I Because... I can't even I, imagine what Hawaii would feel like right now. It's especially living in the Midwest in bone chilling winter. Actually, you know what? That is a good idea. Let's get our mind away from this terribleness that this winter is and go somewhere warm. Yeah. Let's go talk about murderers in a beautiful state. Sounds great. <sighs> Anyways, tune in for this exciting episode next week. It is the first time we are doing a case in Hawaii, and I am super excited to talk about it. So in the meantime, I hope you all make good choices, and... I hope you all don't get got. Talk to you next week. Two words for you, Andy. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Makes sense. Never. Yeah. Well, yeah. I was going to say makes sense, but then I was like, eh. but oh, it doesn't d- really make sense. I it mean, does it, make it, sense. It makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense. Quote unquote anonymous. Whoa. Quote unquote anonymous. <laughs> it's unconscionable. It's she what? walks him out. Stop, 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 stop. What did you just say? Unconscionable. Isn't that a word? I don't know. <laughs> Pivoted. Yeah, that's totally a word. What does it mean? Unconscionable. <laughs> okay, that's the word, but what does it mean? Immoral, unprincipled, indefensible, unethical. Okay, you can just choose and chosen one of those. I was totally <laughs> It's not even your episode for Operation Thesaurus, and you're going to throw that out there? Get out. You're done. Speaking of Operation Thesaurus, I didn't give you a word. Rigamarole. You've got to say that in the next few minutes. What does that mean? Rigamarole. I don't know. Look it oh, up. Fucking... Like I just looked up unconscionable, which is a word. I'm fucking kill you. How do you spell it? Rigamarole. Rig a ma roll. A lengthy and complicated procedure. <clears throat> Rigamarole. 
Rigamarole. Rigamarole. A lengthy and complicated procedure. A rigamarole. 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 There's sick and then there's this. You know, it's, it's just another level. I mean, one could even say it's unconscionable. Really. A little bit of a rigamarole. You know. Um, Did that fit? I think so. Yeah. It could work. <laughs>